Well, good morning. Welcome to our morning worship with so many regular visitors away and perhaps some folks still making their way here. We come together in worship. We're going to begin with our verse for the year, which will come up in front of you in a moment. And uh, we're going to use this, so focus on that for a moment. As part of the notices, the information, we've got a month's supply here, so do keep this. It gives you all the details of August, um, the prayer meetings particularly will be at the Pashley's home in Chain, and uh, you'll see that there's a different rota of um, S-Club teachers. Now uh, this morning, Catherine Clerk, Cathy Bishop, Grant Bradley and Impact are looking after the young folks. Um, so many you attend, they'll come back into church. Do follow the rota and have uh, make the most of all the information that we have to date. We want to read this verse to remind us of how we come together in worship. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Well, that's our verse for the year, and this is our verse for the month, and it's taken from Deuteronomy. Let's read this as well. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, or praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God, who does no wrong, upright and just is he. And we're coming to worship him, giving thanks to him. And that's our opening song. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King, his love endures forever. Let's stand together. We are beginning a series this morning on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we will have a, a prayer together, include everybody, and then we will use the Lord's Prayer as we run the Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the confidence that we have that you have risen, and by your Spirit you are with us now. So in our praying, in our worshipping, in the way that we relate to each other, collectively and in our personal conversation and in the way that we present ourselves in worship we ask that we might know that by the power of your resurrection that you are with us now and we might know your life transforming and your power changing help us as we commit this time to you and the young folk as they relieve in the course of the service, their teachers, and so many of our young people away at camps and holidays, we thank you for them, for their leaders and instructors. May they know your transforming grace. So hear us as we commit our worship to you now with thanksgiving and lead us in prayer as you taught your disciples saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power and the glory 
forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. You may keep your seat there. That's, that's good, because there's lots of spare seats here today. Um, any? Yeah? Okay. Uh, I, one thing that Hannah and I have been doing is clearing the loft. Uh, you know that we're moving, having lived here 37 years, lots of things that you have to get rid of. And uh, um, I discovered some friends in the loft. I want to introduce you to my friends in a moment. Uh, and these things here also illustrate. So, um, I know that you are very keen to know how they could be in the loft. Do you have a loft? Do you got a loft? Anybody at them? You hope not. Yeah, okay. Right. That's good. Okay. This is a sort of um, a pre-harvest talk because we've the weather has been so different this year. Everything has come early. Um, let me illustrate. Uh, let's see who I could. Nathan. Still got your beard. Could you come here a moment? Thank you. I know. You've been away at camp, haven't you? That's good. That's good. Uh, just so that... Uh, where have you been? Brushing and Wales. Oh, that's nice. Uh, what were you doing? Uh, Christian Sport Camp. Ah, was it good? It was great. How many? Uh, over a hundred. Oh, right. Yeah. And were you giving talks? I was giving a talk, yeah. A talk? Yeah. Did it last long? Uh, long enough. Did they listen well? Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's good. Okay. That's got nothing to do with this, by the way. It's not well enough, yeah. um, Would you like to taste one of those? Right. Thank you. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Do you know what it was? A raspberry. What sort of raspberry? Oh, I wouldn't know. Sorry. Right. I wonder if there's a gardener here. There's Arthur Wood. Ah, no, that will take too long. Okay. Um, those, thank you. You sit down now. Well, actually, if you stand there, I'll use you again. Is that all right? Yeah. You don't mind, do you? No, no. Right. Um, where were we? Uh, yes. Um, okay. These are autumn bliss. And last year I won a prize in the horticultural story. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take all the adulation you get. We'll never get a Commonwealth medal, that's for sure. Um, and um, the thing is, these would come out in September. And now it's early August. So that illustrates how everything is early. Everything is, is early. Okay. Um, can you hold that for me? That's good. You don't have to talk in it, by the way. Just, uh, okay. Um, I would like you to hold my friend up. Okay, nice. You can have a look at it first, if you want to. Okay. That is a potato. And if, if, if you... I'll take yeah, Hold that up. I'll take that. Okay. Hold it up. What do you notice about that potato? Don't mumble, just uh, come on, uh, hurry up, don't let's talk longer, a long sermon to go. Uh, what, what do you notice about it? It's wearing a hat? Thank you. Okay, what about this potato? It's not been washed. It's not been washed, thank you, you're a good girl, you can have that after, I'll give it to you. Um, it's dirty, and this potato is my friend, but my friend has got, if you look, one stop grime grubs off, you will see that that potato has got eyes. 
but he can't see. Because Jesus once said people love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But we still have friends like that, and we should do, because we want to bring them to the light. This is my friend. Uh, can you stand there for a while? Okay, that's good. I've got another friend here. Um, there's another Christian in sport. Um, can't remember your name. Thank you, Lisa. I know you're staying another year. Come up here, Lisa. That's good. These young folks don't mind. They're fit and healthy. Hold, hold that up there. That's good. Nice. Um, can you stand? Fine. That's good. Um, this is my friend. I wonder if you've got a friend like this. What I did want to do was to get somebody to come and peel the onion close up. What do you think would happen? Uh, any idea? Start crying. Start crying. Yes, exactly. There are people... Oh, I tell you what, I'll put that together and you make life easier for you. Right. There are people in life who do that to you. They're still your friends, but they have a way of hurting and upsetting. I still have friends like this, but it's hard work. And you have to maintain those friends. Here's an interesting one. Um, I want a teacher. Who's, who's a teacher? Any teachers? Don't, you don't have to do anything. Teacher? I, I, I will. Yes, Elizabeth, thank you. You're a teacher. Okay. Thank you. Welcome. You've been a champ as well, I can tell. The red sunshine. Look at you. Right. Hold that up. I do have a look at it first. See what you've got. Right. What do they say? An apple for? The teacher, yes. Um, this teacher teaches R.I., what's R.I.? It's called Humanities now, Religious Instruction. And this teacher used to make it her practice, by the way, all these are from my garden, um, to put, during the day, two apples on her desk. She taught in a boys' school, and the boys are always better behaved than the girls, we know. But this day, when she went out of the class, the two apples went missing. And she said, because she taught religious instruction, she said, would you please put the apples back? Nobody moved, nobody said anything. She said, I'll give you a minute. Didn't make any difference. Because she was teaching them a lesson, she said, now boys, what would Jesus say to a thief? And one little boy put his hand up and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. <laughs> so, um, teaching instruction is very good, isn't it? Is that, is, can you hold it up? Uh, so these are my friends, even though they can sometimes be naughty. Um, where are we? Yes, here's another one. Um, who can I have? Matilda, thank you for volunteering. This, I've got some peas here. Like Monge too, those are from the garden. Okay, come in, come here, Matilda. Move up a bit. Thank you, Lisa. Elizabeth. That's good. Um, now, the thing about peas is this. My friend is afraid of one big thing in life. And it's called peer pressure. Afraid to be different. And if you open up this 
sweet pea, Polly the pea, the monch too, you'll find it always the same. Sometimes Jesus calls us to be different and we should not be afraid. He's still my friend, but it's a challenge. But my best friend of all, um, uh, let's see who it's, Hannah, come up here. I know, you're going to give off to me for this, but why should everybody else? Can you stand here? Try to do as you're told? I know it's really difficult. Um, runner beans. Runner beans are vigorous, quick growing. But here's the thing about, so these are my friends, okay? I've forgotten that they were in the loft. I hope you can all see. Do you want to lift them up a bit higher? That's good. Don't move. That's, I'm sure you're, and, uh, so, the runner bean, uh, we have lots of these in the garden, and these are my favorite. They're my favorite for this reason. If you test a runner bean and, uh, open up the pod and plant that next day, you'll know three things about them. The first is, they will always turn to the right, scientifically proven. Number two, they always go to the light. And number three, thank you, Hannah, but don't put it down. Did I give it to you like that? Well, I Shows you look, shows you notice, doesn't it? Oh, good. That was deliberate, actually, but we didn't. Uh, this is called Scarlet Runner. And so, what did he say about? I want you to remember these three things about uh, the runner bean. It always turns to the right, goes to the light because Jesus said, "I'm the light of the world," and needs a stick to lean on. And the stick of my friend is. The Bible. The Bible will help us to grow strong, not to be straggly and weak. So these are my friends. Uh, yes, he's a bit uh, grubby. Sometimes he lives in the darkness and doesn't use his eyes. This piece, he's a sweet little thing, but she just wants to be like everybody else. And sometimes, as a Christian, you can't be like everybody else. I don't know what you could say about the teacher, other than she's really very good, and uh, an apple a day um, does, does wonders for us. And, well, I don't know what we can say about um, my friend here. I hope that you'll not like this onion. Making people cry and upsetting people, especially at church. So would you remember those things? They were in the loft. And when we were clearing with the loft, I thought, I'm not going to be here for the harvest. So this is a pre-harvest talk. Okay, so you can sit down now. Thank you. But they're all in the garden. Well done. Thank you very much. And, um, or, yes, the autumn bliss, if you have them coming, uh, you can help yourself. Ah, and the other thing I, I have as well is some plums. Washed. And uh, these will be available after the service. Um, so... Will you remember, when you think of these vegetables and the fruit, ask, which am I most like? Which am I most like? Have I upset somebody this week? Or have I supported somebody? Have I criticized somebody? Or have I blessed somebody? Am I a quick learner? Do I go to the light? And am I trusting 
in God's Word, the Bible. Well, those are some of the things, and hopefully you can still learn about that as you uh, go to your classes, and uh, you can to leave next, please. Thank you. Good morning. This morning's reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue on the street, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may not may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray for your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Don't you pray together now, let's do that. We take uh, a moment to be still, collect our thoughts, and settle our hearts. God of love and truth. You continue to call men and women to embrace the gospel through Jesus Christ. And so we thank you, God of grace, that you can open our ears to hear your call. 
You can open our eyes to read your word and lean upon it. And open our hands to give what we have. And in a moment, as part of our regular giving, in such a variety of ways, we thank you for generosity of giving, exemplified by you in sending Jesus into our world. And for open hearts to wonder at the glory of your love, the beauty of your creation. So we come to you and particular prayers that relate to us as a local company of people. We thank you for the summer camps and so many from our congregation who are away today and those who have returned. What stories to tell, experiences known, commitments made. We pray that it would be so. We thank you too for the opportunity for holiday, for time to be together, to be renewed and refreshed. We think of those who are not here today, who are unwell, particularly Vine McNeil in hospital, and others struggling at home. We pray Dorothy as she moves away to Doncaster in the coming days. And we thank you for Mark and Seth as they move in today to take up their role in the church. We thank you too for new beginnings for the Howard family moving into the village. Think of people travelling. We pray that you keep your good hand upon them. Different countries, different experiences, different dangers. We think of young people and the prospect of change, new schools, some who are going to begin school for the first time. Those who are planning to leave for study and work and for their families. We pray for guidance. Oh Lord, in this world of change, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and ever will be in the coming days as well. Lord, ours, as we know, is a troubled world. And we think of the conflict in the Middle East, in the Gaza Strip particularly, suffering that beggars belief for us. And we forget about the conflicts that rage in many parts of that vast continent of Africa and Syria. Lord, so often your people are there and people cry to you in need. We ask that you would draw near to them. Lord, we thank you for the special gift of countries coming together in sport and community. And we thank you for these friendly games. Lord, we rejoice in all that is good in your world. Would you help us 
to live out our lives in a way that is honouring to you and a blessing to those with whom we live. So would you hear our prayers, you teach us to pray, and so we lift our hearts to you and bring particular needs known only to you. So we pray now in your name. Amen. So we're going to look at uh, the outline of prayer, it's not necessarily meant to be spoken in that um, word-for-word way, it's an outline of how best we can pray and those are the, some of the essentials. So the sermon is Our Father in Heaven. I've taken one of the books from the book room, you'll never get a better buy than this. I remember this book being so influential years ago, uh, written by um, a Muslim woman's encounter with the living God, a miraculous story. This is actually 2.99, would you believe, um, where the title of the book is this, I dared to call him father. There's a Muslim with a sense of the power and awesomeness of Allah to have the intimacy call God's Father was a massive, massive thing for this Muslim believer. We dare to call him Father. We've grown up with the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps, like me, there was never a time when you didn't know the Lord's Prayer. It's just how we were privileged to be brought up. And therefore, there is a danger that we could take certain things for granted. So let's look at prayer generally, first of all, uh, as we come to the Lord's Prayer. I want to make five quick comments that help us. Um, it was obvious that the disciples were struggling. They said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Help us. My prayer life's rubbish. I don't know how I'm going to get on in the Christian life. Help us. Teach us to pray. And, and we have this as the backdrop to the Lord's Prayer. So, as we are coming to prayer, some five sort of bullet points, if you like. The first is this. Prayer should expose something of our heart. Should expose something of our of our heart. And I've got a, a reference next uh, to all of these statements. We won't have time to look at all of them, uh, for there, there are too many. But there is a place sometimes for uh, deep emotion in prayer, or of complaining, of having experiences that we can't square with the love of God. And it's no good whinging about it. You really should go to God like the psalmist and to say, How long, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever. He asks the question and he answers it. How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I wrestle with my thoughts? And so on. That is a legitimate expression of praying. And we should do that. And of course the psalm, Psalm 13 ends by turning around them and trusting. But it should expose something of the heart and emotion. We're living in a fallen world and there are things that are hard to accept. Very hard. And there will be, I say to you, questions and doubts that you will take with you into heaven. And then you will know, as now we cannot know. Secondly, prayer should transcend all divisions. 
There's a, there's a pitch, I, I call it a pitch of a verse, in uh, the obscure part of Zephaniah 3.9. You probably wouldn't be able to find it. Um, well, many of you would, but uh, let me read it to you just for the sake of time. The day will come when God will purify the lips of the people, not just Israel, the people of the world. This is one of these cosmic, beautiful little verses. The days will come when God will purify the lips of the peoples that all of them will call on the name of the Lord and serve him. As here's the picture, shoulder to shoulder. Do make note of that verse. It's a great verse. And the point is this, that it prayer that transcends all divisions. There are divisions. The prayer transcends those. Thirdly, and we need to come to terms with this, prayer is not a substitute or an excuse for our responsibilities. Um, I think we will, if I can find it, turn to Zechariah to see if you can find it. That would be like one of these Sunday school tests. Um, Agai Zechariah. Um, yeah, I've got it. Right. Zechariah 10, 12 and 13. And the heading is in a strong religious culture, justice and mercy, not fasting. Because fasting has become a show of how spiritual and how religious we are. And God says, I'm interested in your heart first and foremost. That's the whole chapter. And in the middle of it, verse 12, it says, They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words of the Lord Almighty who had sent his spirit through the earlier prophets so the Lord Almighty was angry. Look at this. And if this, let me humanize this. God says, you will call upon me? Okay, well I won't call upon you. You are standoffish with me? I'll be standoffish with you. Say human engagement. So, look at verse 30. When I called, you did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. You're going to make your hearts as hard as flint? I can do that too. Now, say human language. So prayer is no substitute or excuse for our responsibility to humble ourselves before God and not simply of a religion that is purely external. The fourth thing about praying is this, that we should pray at all times. You have those two lovely psalms that have come into one beautiful song often used as a benediction uh, for um, evening and morning service. Psalm 4 and Psalm 5. One deals with the evening prayer. One deals with the morning. Pray at all times. And then lastly, pray in any position. Now we're a free church, we're Baptists, so we tend to be a bit pill-bound, I think, and sit where we do, and that's okay. Um, but just think, think for a moment. Um, some examples. Hannah in the temple in Shiloh prayed standing. The psalmist in Psalm 95 prayed kneeling. Elijah 
put his head between his knees. They call it the chapel crouch. I think a lot of that's still around today. Um, and Moses and Joshua prayed prostrating themselves on the ground. And Psalm 63 verse 4 and there's a lot more of this today and perhaps there should be more here and that is I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hand. So those are just a few things so that we can now sort of think about prayer and praying in a wider context. And so we could echo the, uh, the prayer of the disciples to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. There's a lovely children's hymn. We don't have children's hymns anymore, perhaps most of pity. I often say my prayers, but do I ever pray? And does the meaning of my heart go with the words I say? I may as well fall down and worship gods of stone as offer to the living God prayer of words alone. What a good thing to teach grown-up children too. Easy, isn't it? So we come to the, uh, draw a bit closer to um, Matthew chapter 6 and say that if the prayer is a privilege, but there are pitfalls. We've hinted at this already, prayer can become formalized. For example, let's come to the, the passage itself and look at um, Matthew um, chapter 6 and verse 5 on the, under the section prayer. By the way, it does say, and if, not if, and if you pray, but when you pray. Do not be like the hypocrites. Uh, that word is slightly different now in the way that it was used originally. But we'll come to that. They love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. People have seen them, people have heard them, people are very impressed with them. And they're impressed with themselves. They're happy. They got what they want. But we shouldn't pray like that. Prayer can become formalized. Look at verse 7. Prayer can become long. When I was young, long prayers were considered very spiritual. For me, they were tiresome in the extreme. Um, so, look at verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard for their many words, the accumulation of words. If we were to be unkind, though we shouldn't judge, God can do that. It's a form of spiritual verbiage. doesn't mean anything. And we need to guard against that. So prayer can become formalized, prayer can become inordinately long and laborious, and prayer can be hypocritical. Now, that's just the little meaning, as you know, is just wearing a mask, playing a role. And we need to guard against that. So in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, of course, we're not saying that's the only way to pray. Clearly, there's a place for prayer trips, prayer meetings, 
prayer group, one-to-one, sharing, corporate prayers we've been doing. But it is to God Almighty, and he knows our hearts. So there it is, that wonderful statement, our Father in heaven, I dare to call him Father. Possibly the most meaningful words of the Lord's Prayer. I, I dare to call him Father, our Father in heaven, the blessing of the gospel. Yes, for sure, he is God Almighty. He's the sovereign creator, judge of all. And he's our Father in heaven. Can I make a comment for a moment about um, human fatherhood, just in case? The reality of human fathers is not always a good one. And the concept can be tragically spoiled. There's this whole campaign still, fathers for justice, who feel they've had a raw deal because they can't see their children. And there may be culturally something in that. An increasing number of children come from single parent families. So what is the concept of um, father? And I know also that there are people who have had an abusive father. There's so much in the media at the moment about child abuse with the church and with the, in the media and lives permanently damaged. But I would say this. The danger stranger is a myth. The children by far more at risk in their own homes than anywhere else. However, when we think about the role of fathers, does it give you a sense of well-being, of security, or possibly the opposite? And we may therefore transfer our unhappy feelings about a human father and transfer that onto God as our Heavenly Father. So, as I say, this is one of the most meaningful blessings of the Gospel and yet it might resonate with negativity for you. Such is the way that we are made. But we have a Divine Father, a Heavenly Father, and he's good. He's good. And now to get uh, taking Daddy Blog and saying this uh, to Lord William School and doing the rites of passage and asking to, you know, I interviewed him and asked him questions about his background he brought up and Bernardo, he never knew his human father. But he had an adopted father. He was, came out into Stoke Talmadge, not very far from here, and was, was adopted. So when he was speaking about how he came to faith, having gone through the Korean War and everything, that he said, you know, I had three fathers. A father, human father, I never knew. An adopted father and a heavenly father. One day, I'm going to meet him. We have a heavenly father. It is the grace of God and it is a privileged relationship. So let's look uh, at this prayer. And uh, we, we 
will move very quickly now. So, what can we say then, in the light of all of that, about um, our Father in Heaven? Well, He knows our needs. He really does. He knows our needs. Our wants and needs can sometimes get a bit mixed up. Look in um, Matthew 6 and verse 32, for example. For the pagans run after all these things. And your, look at this, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So, sort yourself out for a minute. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. And if they're not, my will for you is better. Trust me. He knows our needs. And I think this can help us when we experience difficulties, when we face disappointment, the, the legitimate things that we would want in life. He knows our needs. And our Father who knows our needs is not indifferent to them. Turn over to Matthew 7 and look at verse to the second point that we have. Our Father gives good gifts to his children. Matthew 7 and verse 7 asks, and it will be given you, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, you may well say, as I could say, you know, I've asked for things they weren't given to me. But, was that what I really wanted, or was it what God really wanted for me? Here we've been challenged, indeed, encouraged, by this phrase that is often used, um, how much more? It's an interesting phrase, look at verse 11, for example of um, Matthew 6. Um, no, um, verse 26. Where Jesus goes from the lesser and comes to the greater. He says, okay, just look, look into the sky, look, in, look into the in the countryside, look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now then, from the lesser to the greater, are you not much more valued than they? And look at verse 30. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire or gathered into barns, will he not much more clothe you? Will he not much more from the lesser to the greater? And that's the whole point of prayer like this. So we could put it like this. Pray more. Worry less. How much more? Conversely, Pray less, worry more. My life is shot through with worry. He gives good things to his children. 
And lastly, we think about prayer with this one sentence, Our Father in heaven, our Father promises his love. He promises his love. We could, if we were just to, for a moment, go back to that pray more, worry less, worry more, pray less, that something happens in prayer. There's a sort of a, if you like, a bit of a fight going on. And it is um, pride and prayer. They, they are mutually exclusive. And I would say to you that the more we pray, the less proud we are, because it's a great leveler. Where we really say, you know, what have I got to be proud of? But if I distance myself more from God, I can develop an arrogant streak. And our Father promises his love. And I want us just to conclude by a cross-reference here to um, look in Ephesians. This is the central prayer that Paul used for the churches in Asia, Asia Minor. Our Father promises his prayer. Now he takes this into the Gentile world. And so he says in Ephesians 3:14, For this reason, interestingly, I kneel. The posture isn't important, the heart is. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's people, here it is, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus. That you may know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Nothing must really spoil this privileged relationship. What Jesus is really saying in the Lord's Prayer is this, that we have a speaking relationship with God. So we should pray. It is a speaking relationship. We relate to him when we pray. But through Jesus Christ we also have a saving relationship. And we should praise him as well. We ask of him. And we should thank him. Do you remember the time when the ten lepers came and they were all healed? Jesus was quite astonished that it was only the Gentiles that came back, not the Jewish people. And he's, he's almost staggered by monumental ingratitude. How can this be? We have a speaking relationship. And that's part of prayer. In whatever way, with all of its variety and diversity that is, that is right for the church, we mustn't allow prayer to be like old wineskins, brittle, but like new wineskins, 
flexible, accommodating, and prayer and praise, this saving and speaking relationship. Interestingly, and I conclude with this, the last thing that Jesus said in this earthly life before the resurrection was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. For him it was very special. And no less so for us. No less so for us. It's a privileged relationship supremely. We should not neglect it. And in whatever way, in the variety of praying, Lord, we should say within our heart, teach me. Teach me to pray. And as we stand together, Lord, we ask that you would once more teach us to pray, calling you our Father in heaven. Help us to see how blessed we are. And may our lives be like cups that overflow and the overflow bringing blessing to others, drawing them into that center place of your redeeming love. Would you help us, Lord, we thank you for one another. We thank you for the mighty gospel that transforms lives. Lord, these are the yearnings of our hearts, our desires, and we ask that you will hear them as we come for the glory of your name. Amen. May we share in the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, evermore. Amen.